Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode six now of the Backyard Banter podcast. Six episodes. That's a, that's a lot. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in and everything. Today we've got a guest that I'm really excited to talk to. It's uh, Eric Stoner from I – don't, I don't really know what to introduce you as now, Eric, or where you're from, but, but I think that's kind of the point of our discussion tonight. So, But I want to welcome you to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I pretty, yeah, pretty much am unaffiliated right now. I still – Pop up on Matt Waldman's site on Matt Waldman RSP every once in a while, but not uh not making content too often. Just kind of roaming Twitter and <laughs> entertained that way. Yeah, still running Twitter for sure. Um, so if you don't know Eric, uh, Eric is is somebody that's been some that I followed for years. Like I mean, I remember following you back in like when I was a, like a in college, like a junior senior in college back when you were really writing a lot of content and Eric is one of in my and I don't say you know Eric and I are like full disclosure we're friends like we you know we go out to bars and stuff here in Southern California we both live in LA like we see a lot of each other so I don't say this just to suck up because I don't really think I have to you know Eric is just one of the smarter like football people that I know like he knows his shit when he says something like I listen to it especially about like defensive players and quarterbacks and stuff like that like Eric is, is a good writer and knows football but like you said, you're not doing any work right now. And I mean, just to start off, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I mean, what's, what's your background? Like, what's your history with football? Like, how did you become like obsessed with this stupid sport that we do? Well, I'm not sure that I really had much of a choice. Um, my dad was a football coach. Um, he played, he grew up in Idaho, played, uh, played high school football. He actually had an offer from Boise state, but he ended up joining the military. Like right when he turned 18 out, like right outside of high school. So um, he was stationed in California. That's how he ended up meeting my mom. So I was on football fields at a very, very young age um, and then started playing when I was seven. Um, I played all the way through high school uh, till, so from seven to 17. So I had 10 years of playing just as a kid. Um, I had a couple of like, division three offers and like partial scholarships and everything, but I wasn't really interested in playing like moving to Nebraska and playing for some D three fucking school in Nebraska, basically paying, paying to continue playing football. I kind of thought that it was hustling backwards. So I'm, I got accepted to San Diego state and I was ready to just go have a good time basically. And then, um, after that, like I, I stayed in San Diego for a year. I didn't really have anything to do with football during that time. I was there for, I was, I lived in San Diego for two years. San Diego state asked me to kindly leave after one year. I had a little bit too much fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I ended up staying in San Diego for another year. Um, just kind of living out there. 
and then ended up moving up back home and started co coaching high school football. Uh, like pretty much as soon as I got back, I jumped right into it. So I coached high school football for a few years. Um, and then started really like it, I was I wasn't going to be a teacher, obviously. So coaching high school football is a, is a tough gig if you're not actually a teacher and in it like that. So because it's just hard to work it out with scheduling and with your with your real job and everything of that nature. So ended up giving that up after a few years. Um, and then, yeah, really like I was always really, really into football, like had an online presence in football. It sounds like pretty much everybody, like all the fantasy guys you've had on pretty much have the same story. We're like, if you really are this much of a nut about it, you'll find all the other dorks on football forums. I mean, football Twitter is basically just like the evolution of what the old football forums eventually turn into. I mean, I, I would venture to say that most people that are really, really into football on Twitter were like either posted on their team's message board before there was Twitter, like on their team's message board. The big one that I was on, I was on the draft countdown message board for a long time. Um, that's actually where I ended up meeting Parsons and Jinx and some of the other guys that are on draft Twitter. And that was like 10, 2006, like 10 years ago, a long time ago. So a lot of these, a lot of the cats that are, yeah, a lot of the cats on Twitter that, that are on football Twitter have known each other for a long, long time, surprisingly. So, and yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the draft was always the big thing that I always really liked in terms of, uh, in terms of the football entertainment, you know, not actually me playing or coaching or doing whatever. The draft was always like the big, big thing that I cared about and was really, really into. And so it, yeah. And then just ended up uh, kind of going from there. That's basically how it started. Yeah. I mean, that's the funny part to me because I guess I was never around during like the forum age or I wasn't as like yeah, it's a little bit before your time, huh? Yeah, probably. So, I mean, I guess I hopped like, into the football Twitter scene, I guess, like around, it was like after I graduated college when I started like backyard banter and like I was following from a different account that will never be discovered um, for, for, for my years during college. Actually, that is funny because the, the guys from work did find, like at NFL did find it a few months ago and that was found the, found the, the personal like the personal account. account. Yeah. And like, I totally, uh, that's a whole nother story, but yeah, embarrassing, awful. Um, so I f used to like follow all you guys from that account, but it wasn't until like, yeah, in like 2013 is when I kind of came around and I, so I was never in on the forums or anything like that. So that's a whole nother part of like the culture that I don't understand. Um, but so, okay. So you, we know how you kind of got into the whole football thing, but like, when, so what was your like first impetus to start writing about it? Or like, who was the first one to reach out to you and be like, Hey man, like, you know, come write for us or, or how did that start? It's kind of a funny story. Like I said, I was on the draft countdown forums at the time and Twitter was already around. This is like 2011, I think. Yeah, it was 2011. Okay. So I hadn't really been into the draft for a few years because, because I had been coaching. So it made it tough to keep up with college football and everything of that nature. Cause usually like games are on Friday night and then you're back in the office on Saturday, like grading the, your the game from the night before and then scouting out your next week's opponent and doing all that charting and it's basically like an all-day affair trying to do it fucking hungover like after a friday night in a dark office with nothing but a projector on <laughs> so that sounds was, terrible uh, yeah it was it was i didn't really see like those few years of college football like i remember when the jags drafted tyson alualu and i had no idea who the fuck he was like they took him 10th overall and he was like it was like a surprise pick at the time people were projecting like 
second round, maybe yep. late first round, and they take him tenth overall, which is funny too, because like in today's like draft Twitter world, like he would have been like somebody that people would have been super super hyped on because he had crazy workouts and everything coming out of Cal. That's um, funny. So just, yeah, it, it's actually really funny, like looking back at it. So I really didn't know that much about the draft, but the 2011 class I had kind of gotten back into because I had just put in you know my resignation that I wasn't going to be able to coach anymore because I couldn't make it work with my schedule and so I hated absolutely hated Blaine Gabbert as a prospect and there was this dude on this forum that I would always argue about him with couldn't hated Gabbert as a prospect and then the Jags end up taking him fucking trading up for him no less like I remember watching that draft and just walking outside and like just lighting up a cigarette and turning the tv off and like <laughs> wanting to scream man it was uh in case you haven't picked up on this if you're listening Eric is a Jags fan I think or like are you guys on a break right now or what's what's the we're, we're on a break we're not really speaking right now I'm hoping that that <laughs> that they can get their life together um right. But, you know, they always end up calling on – they always shooting that hey, big head text on Sunday and you always end up answering back. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Sometimes so, they go on a – sometimes well, – speaking from my experience, sometimes they go on a Super Bowl run and then you really think they've changed, but nothing's really changed. Nothing – yeah. Pe- people, teams, players, coaches, nobody, nobody really ends up changing. Um, but yeah, so they ended up taking Gabbert and I was, I remember being so pissed off and like just art, getting mad online, arguing with people and shit like that. And people would be like, what the fuck do you know? Like, you're just some dude on a forum. And I, and like, I remember that just being the impetus to where I was like, all right, I'm going to start, you know, making a name for myself doing this, I guess. Like I didn't really have big aspirations to be big in like media or anything if anything like I really like when I was younger and everything I wanted to become a scout and then quickly realized as I got older that that I knew that that was not going to be something that was in the cards for me it wouldn't have worked for me like it would be very very difficult for me personally to do that job for that type of money and things of that nature it's it's not a glamorous job and you have like you have very very little say so of what actually happens with anything you're basically just gathering information on dudes it's it, like I said it's not glamorous or fun but um so yeah I was just like all right well I'm gonna start you know making a name for myself doing this and um at that time I was also like talking to the original owner of draft breakdown because I think that was the first year that draft breakdown started making their cut-ups and their videos and everything so um he was the first guy I started talking to uh he ended up selling the site to the to the current um or not the current well current co-owner Aaron and so I started like cutting up videos for them and you know writing articles and things of that nature and that's right when I discovered Twitter too was right around 2011 so I had this new like fresh outlet to get all these takes off so and the my Twitter following built pretty quick uh after that uh was I think Josh Josh Norris was the first one to offer me like my first paid like writing gig and he was just like 50 50 bucks an article I think for once a week at Roto World and that's like that's when my Twitter following really and my brand I guess really started to grow within the draft world and then you know I just kind of did freelance work from like here and there I, I ghost wrote some stuff for some bigger websites I'm not going to say like what website or who I did ghostwriting for, but ghostwriting does happen in the draft community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like I said, I'm, I'm not 
begrudging that or anything. A lot of the a lot of the big sites like just will dump a shitload of work onto one or two people, like and it's like you got to get this stuff done cranked out fast. So I did some of that. I did like some uh, some freelance stuff for Bleacher Report, helping them like do a bunch of their draft profiles. But for a lot of the jobs and gigs that I had, I would always like, I'd start off really good. Like I think Sigmund talked about this with himself. Like I'm a very, very fast starter. And then I get bored very quickly. Like even with draft classes, like I'll get into the class super, super quick and like kind of go through it and everything. And then I'll just kind of get like burnt out doing it. And so none of the gigs I, I did lasted long term or even like, I would even like, you know, say, you know, I, I've had enough doing this. Like, I'm not not really interested in doing this anymore. And I don't want to hang you guys up or make commitments that I, you know, can't keep with and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that that was after that. Uh, right around, I think it was for like right in between the 2013 class and the 2014 class. Andrew Parsons and I, that's when we decided to make the draft mecca site. And I was going to try to be more, be more behind the scenes and like editing people's stuff and, you know, trying to like, I didn't, I wasn't planning on making a ton of content for the site and neither was Parsons. It was just kind of like, whenever we feel like, felt like it, we could throw something up and we wanted to get a bunch of good younger writers, you know, younger people and the, the young crew coming up, you, who you were a part of, um, you were, on you wrote for for Mecca and there there was a bunch of other guys that are starting to you know it, like I said it wasn't a long term project we kind of deaded the site after a year um, and yeah just kind of watch my watch my kids wings grow has been the fun part of that um, I, so kind of going back to like when you were with you know like Bleacher Report and Roto World and stuff like that's like I that's I guess when I first heard of you and like you know, you definitely had a lot of like clout and, you know, respect within like people like, you know, bigger name people, like you said, Josh, like writes for Roto World and like Doug Farrar who's at Sports Illustrated now, I think he was at Yahoo at the time. Like, you know, people definitely like respected what you do and like still do. So I guess kind of the real thing I want to hit on with you tonight and that I want to convey to the audience, like what, what you like described there up until like the Mecca point looked like a clear, you know, kind of upward trend towards like like kind of how things start like for example like things started for me like you know writing freelance for a few places doing some little this and that stuff and then like steadily getting more and more opportunities now like I have a you know like a legitimate job within the industry but your journey kind of tapered off there and that's really the point of why I want to have you on tonight I kind of want to hit into like what like so what happened to kind of either illuminate to you like this isn't really what I want to do or like the process of it all like so kind of hit on like let's 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 dig into that okay so um I get there wasn't really one catalyst like catalyst or big event that made me think oh you know I don't know if I really want to do this like um people would always get like gas me up and tell me you know you can go as far doing this as you want to go like Matt is Matt Waldman has always told me and really supported me like that and everything like and he, and he's not just, and with him, I know he's not just saying that to gas me up. Like he, he tells yeah. like things that he actually hears from, from people, not just in the media world, but in the actual like NFL, like the NFL, I'm not like saying this to, to toot my own horn or anything, but I know that they know, they know who I am and they like, they pay attention to my work. I, I can also just, just so it's clear that you're not pumping yourself up. I can also confirm that that is true too. Right. So like I said, it wasn't really one catalytic event. I just, 
um, people that have always followed me have known about this. Like, I don't like, I don't really have too much of a filter. <laughs> and I like tweeting about whatever I like to tweet about or whatever. Like, like I let things about myself be known. You know, I, I don't like completely expose every intimate detail of my life or whatever, but it's like, I give enough to, to where like my audience knows who I am without really knowing who I am. If that makes sense. Like I said, not giving away like every intimate detail of my life. But, um, so I was, uh, and I've always been like this where I was always just kind of turned off by, um, how do I put this? The enforcement of like professional culture in a very free like free and open space like for the people that actually are you like have to use twitter for work i mean i guess i understand it but the majority of us are not on there for that you know it's uh more than it's i mean it is an information medium but like more than anything it's an entertainment medium and that's something that that that's a quote like about the nfl that always really resonated with me too it was like and I, I forgot who it was that said it, but he's, they said that the NFL is not in the football business. They're in the entertainment business. So, and I'm not trying to say like, I'm trying to be this, uh, a Twitter personality or anything of that nature. But um, like I said, just the enforcement of like a super professional culture. And like I said, in a free and expressive space has always turned me off well with authority is another problem that I've always had or, and just like in terms of, of having to have like a clockwork of content that needs to get out and working on that type of schedule is just not my cup of tea is like fo like football, that creative side of football was always just something that I'd like to pick up and play with and then leave it alone when I need to get away from it. Cause like I said, I've been, I've been around it since I was, you know, four or five years old, I've, I've been around football. It's been, it's been a huge and impactful part of my life. So, um, like I said, something that I always tell people when they ask me this, actually, I should have given you this quote earlier is the thing that I tell them is that hobbies, a lot of the time are, or, um, passions. I mean, passions, a lot of the time are best left as hobbies. Like when you have something that you really do love and it's your baby and everything like that, when it becomes, when it truly becomes work for you and it becomes like this regimented, um, structured, I don't know, like, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like it, it, that was just something that never really appealed to me. So it was never something that I seriously, seriously, like, tried to pursue and make like a full time thing. I like having my work stuff separate from like the things that I really love and enjoy. So I mean, that's why it really never, why it never turned out like that. Like, I ended up the 2013 class, the really, really bad class was it. <clears throat> That was actually probably a pretty huge factor. Um, I ended up like watching 150 guys and never really got super in. Like I, I'd write about people and, and I did scouting reports and everything. But I think when you're one person and you spread yourself that thin, um, it becomes kind of hard to get a gauge on just like it, it's just it becomes so formulaic that it's it's not entertaining or fun or anything like that like the, the some of the most fun times I have was when I'll just like throw up a random cut up of a player and I'm not even trying to like I don't go into it thinking like okay I need to figure out this so I can write this and figure out like and like create this content around it like I'll just throw on a tape and take some notes and diagram some plays and 
try to, you know, figure out what the offense and the defense is doing. And that that's what's fun for me is kind of like the reverse engineering of like what teams are doing schematically and things of that nature than actually like pumping out a piece of, you know, this guy has great ankle flexion and he can really skim the corner and he really well. So like even in the latest uh, um, Derrick Henry piece that I did for, for Matt, then that's I think that's the only piece that I've done for this class and um and it was like really it just ended up being like an X's and O's breakdown and I even said like on the video segment I was like there's a thousand fucking scouting reports that you can go read of Derrick Henry that you know I'm not going to tell you anything that you probably haven't read or if you wanted to go find that information so it kind of just became like this cool little breakdown of the play of what you know the offense was doing and how they were baiting a linebacker and relating it back to boxing. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't go into it with any preconceived notions, just kind of went, watched, watched the game and went in the lab and created something on the fly. Yeah. I think that gets lost a lot too. And I can, I can definitely relate to the, like when, when a creative process becomes like a schedule and there's like a regiment to it. It really kind of takes the fun out of it. Like I can definitely say like, I love my job, but there's a lot of content that I have to make that I don't love making, you know, like, like 10 weekly sleepers in week 13, I could care less about, you know, I could care less about making that. And it's, it's part of the job and like, I don't mind it, but I, I can, I can definitely relate to the idea of like, I, and I think people, I don't know, I, like to me, I agree with you. I don't think people really understand that there's, there's a lot that changes when you go from like having to write on a schedule or create something on a schedule. And, and there's a big difference in how you end up relating to that as the creator, in my opinion. Right. And there's actually, a, there's a really, really good story and a good interview about this. Um, Andrew Parsons has always called me the J Electronica of football and for people that don't know or don't listen to hip-hop or anything jay electronica he's this amazing rapper who has like one perfect song that's a single it's called the exhibit c and then like a mixtape's worth of content that he's put out and like this dude people were saying that this dude was going to be like the best rapper ever and save hip-hop and shit like that like he had um diddy and jay-z a bunch of people trying to sign him as an artist when he was just like mobbing around cities on you know taking buses from cities and performing and like so he he ends up signing with jay-z they he and um and just blaze who who did this interview and was talking about it did a, like created a whole album like jay electronica already had most of the album done um just blaze put like the finishing touches and you know mixing in and arranging the songs and things of that nature and then um he just never ended up dropping the album like and it's probably it's probably be probably been close to close to ten years, like eight to ten years since that whole process was done, and you know he just never dropped the album. He actually ended up dating uh one of the richest women in the world and moving to England and everything, so it's not like he's really pressed to have to do that you know for money like money wise or anything of that nature, but one of the things that that Jay always says is my train's right on schedule, you know, and I think that that's like a a big thing that resonates with me and you know not that i necessarily believe in like predestination or anything like that but i think that you as a person you know you take on the things that you know you can take on and um 
the decisions that you make, like you, you have a conscious part in them, but there's the, the unconscious or the subconscious part of your brain that's kind of ruling that too and knows what you're capable of and what you're not capable of, knowing like self, self-awareness, knowing your strengths and limitations, you know, as a person or as an artist or as a creator or whatever it is. Um, and so, like I said, my, the, train is, the train is right on schedule and going back to going back to that story of, of just blaze and Jay electronica, like the best song that he ever made, they made together. The big single that I was talking about was exhibit C and, and uh, just blaze talks about it in the interview. It was like, it was so cool because it was just like one night, the two of us in the studio and we were like, Oh, let's just like, it was very, it was a, it was an impromptu thing that just kind of happened. A song that happened organically. And it wasn't like Jay, uh, uh, just blaze was talking about like it wasn't like making an album like where you go and it's like all right we got to make this many singles and we got to make them sound like this and have the radio play kind of formulaic you know what i mean like how, and like how you were talking about with the sleepers and everything not that there's anything wrong with that because you have to do that to pay the bills basically um nothing happens without you know uh in the entertainment business, I, I always say this about TV, like what you watch on TV, like the TV companies are looking at that as just, the TV shows are just the things that you watch in between advertisements. Right, right. You know, you gotta pay the bills. The, nothing in this world happens for free. So when you actually do have something that you care about and you can kind of, you know, like I said, keep, keep, it, keep it a passion as a hobby, keep it on the side to where it doesn't really, taint that side of it for you and you never have to go through those formulate processes and where you're where you're taking you know art not not necessarily that like this this football stuff is art but like that's one thing that's one medium of creative expression that i actually like feel competent in and feel like i feel good doing it and everything and kind of turning turning that into you know in into work and it's not like like they still end up becoming work because you know it's you know sitting down and writing something or making a video or whatever it's not uh it's not a taskless endeavor but um when you can like i said when you can kind of just keep it on the side and let it kind of be its own thing that you can come to when you need it or when you need to get something off you can but it never really becomes like money never really becomes the reason why you're doing it basically yeah I mean, I struggle with that too, like, because before it was my job, you know, writing and writing about football and like watch, you know, charting players, watching tape, you know, that was, that was like my release. And now when your release becomes your job, then what becomes your, you know, your release? It's like, I'd sit at work all day and, you know, before I, like I said, before I was with NFL, I'd sit at work all day and be like, God, I wish I was, uh, you know. I wish I could be like at home right now, like, you know, writing an article or something like that. But then when you're at work writing and you're like, don't, if you're not, if you don't work in football, like at, don't think that you're still not going to hate your job. Like, because you're still going to trust. It's still me. a job. It's a it's job. Still, it's a job. Like it's still, I'm still at work, not like on a beach somewhere getting drunk. It's, it's still a job. I'm not going to like it. You know, like, I mean, like I said, I love my job, but there are definitely days when, I'm ready to, you know, shut the computer by noon and go home, you know, but you can't because it's not how it works. And so like, make no mistake that there will be times when you're frustrated that you're the thing that you used to escape from the stresses of your job are actually the stresses of your job. 
so yeah it, it, that's a really really good way of putting it um yeah i i really don't know like and for i'm not trying to discourage people the, the the main thing that i want to get across is that i'm not trying to just because i know that you're doing this entire series on people that ask you for advice and want to get into the business and everything um so i'm not trying to discourage people from chasing the things that they want to chase and but you're not good like you actually you need to go do it so that way you can find out as quickly as possible if it is for you because you will find out very very quickly and um i think the way that matt talked about it how there's the uh like the 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 very small middle class there's a few guys that make like a, a ton of money doing it and they have a very big presence and everything like they can make a super super comfortable living doing it and like kudos that's awesome more power to them um there's kind of a small middle class where you can make like decent amount of money doing it and still have like some creative freedom over what you do and everything of that nature and then there's most of the people do it for very little money or for free and it never really ends up becoming more than that and the thing that's interesting about it too is that when you when you really watch it and everything like there's a ton of talented people that are doing it there's a ton of in my like untalented people that are doing it um that or that want to do it and are trying to get into it that you know a lot of the time like i'll see stuff and i'm just like <laughs> i mean i don't know how to like saying it without being super disparaging but i can kind of come across that way sometimes but just like you, you just don't have the game doesn't speak to you like the game yeah. doesn't speak to everybody um, and you can, you know, you can have watched football for as long as you've wanted and like think you really, really understand it and everything. But there, there's a certain level of where the game like really and truly speaks to you and you understand it. And you and not only that, but be able to communicate those things. Um, I think that's like and that's kind of like when I was first getting started out, like I called myself like a bastardized poor man's version of like Chris Brown and Matt Waldman, um, smart football and, and, and Matt, like where I was really super into the X's and O's stuff more so than like any other part of the game. And I like talking about those things, even like I said, I never went and played college football or coached college football or anything, but you know, the game speaks to me and anybody that, you know, reads my stuff or, you know, interacts with me, like you, you can understand that I have that, that level of understanding about the game. And, you know, some people don't, and like, those are the people that should probably go and end up becoming beat writers and things of that nature. There are, you know, where you're reporting on, that's kind of the weird thing about like how Twitter has become too, where there's kind of been this, like this blurring of what a reporter is and what an analyst is. Like, it's very, very, very strange, like seeing that, that blurring of the lines that sort of happen. Yeah, there's I'm, the good thing about it is no matter what your talent level is, you can work hard enough to where you can still find the outlet to do it. Like I said, you can be like whether it's beat writer or analyst or you know the fantasy analyst. There, there's so many different ways to talk about this game that you don't really like. It doesn't like even if you may not have that level of understanding where it speaks to you, you can still there's still things that you can talk about and where you can make a living talking about them. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And there are definitely different lanes. We've talked about that before on the podcast. Like I would I would definitely never be able to be a reporter or like, you know, write about news or break news or anything like that. There's so much that goes into it that just doesn't appeal to me at all. Right. So 
Yeah, like that's definitely important. I mean, I don't know what I would, I don't know what, what I would call myself or anything like that, but definitely that aspect does not, that does not, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and you're right. There are people out there that are, that's one thing that was shocking to me. And I feel almost like, I feel almost like stupid and naive, like looking at it and like realizing that I thought this way a while ago, but like, it was shocking to me, like the longer I spent in like football Twitter, like how, how much like people, like how much people there were that just weren't actually like doing this for a living, like weren't, weren't, were like either super small level, like freelancers or weren't getting paid at all. And we're just like on Twitter talking about football because you come into, I think you come into Twitter and you think like all these people that are talking about football and talking very intelligently about it, like all are employed in some way. And like, that's not the case at all. There's like you said, there's that small range of like a middle class. And then there's a lot of people below that. Right. And, um, and it didn't, it wasn't always like that either. Cause for a long time there was like, this is pre Twitter or even early Twitter. Like, unless you started your own independent site or your own independent blog or whatever, um, there were very, very few online big draft sites. Like I said, there was draft countdown, there was football's future. There were a couple of other ones that I, I mean, it was so long ago. I don't really remember, but um, there was really, there wasn't really that way to get your foot in the door. And that's, what's kind of cool about it now is that there's so many, so many small and independent, it's become so much easier to, to start up a blog or a network of blogs and things of that nature to, um, to kind of get to have that outlet and find and discover talent and everything. I mean, and that's what we were even trying to do with Mecca. Like I said, like we ended up, it ended up being more kind of us like letting what, like getting a young group of writers and letting them kind of go to town and write about whatever the fuck they wanted to write about. And we, you know, we do the editing and help them out and things of that nature and do kind of the back end stuff. But it was more about like finding them in. Cause there, there is, there's a ton of talent that just like, either doesn't get paid or gets paid a very, very minimal amount. And so it's kind of, it's kind of cool just seeing that like the community, the football community, whether it's, you know, fantasy or draft or whatever little corner that you're in, because there's so many like, there's football Twitter and then there's like the million different subgroups. Like it, it really is like, like a forum, like even like, okay. Like on the draft countdown forum, I remember there was like the actual draft forum there was the NFL forum, the college football forum, and then like the off topic forum where you where talked about everything else, which is basically like what Twitter has become like 90% of the fucking time now, which is great. Off topic, the, yeah. the, off, the off topic parts of the forum were always like the most fun areas. So that's where you like got to talk about cool, funny shit all the time and just kind of waste time and bullshit around and be entertained. Um, didn't have to be like, take it so super serious. So it's the just tough kinda, part about Twitter is it mixes all that together. Like there's, you know, because I mean, you, the longer you're, the larger you grow, like you're following, you will occasionally get somebody that like is annoyed at the, which is so stupid to me is like that you're annoyed with the fact that they're not only talking about football, like when, to, and I'm, I'm guilty of it like too, you know, I like, I have the, obviously like my account is associated with my job, but like, I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about, you know? And so right, it's funny. Exactly. And just, what other, like, I mean, I can't really say this for you because you and I know each other like in real life now, but if you hit that log out button, like none of these people actually fucking exist. That's what's crazy <laughs> about it. Like, um, like you, you mean interact with all these people and they become like cool friends and everything. But like, if something's really bugging you on Twitter or something like that, just hit, hit the fucking sign out button. Like none of these people are real. If you really think about it, 
Like and Twitter's gonna like whatever that tweet was that bothered you, it'll be gone. I promise it'll be gone the next time you you open the site, like and you you refresh your timeline. Like that's that was hours ago. Yeah, it, like it didn't even fucking happen. Like none of the none of this stuff is it's so like it's so silly, like how serious it's taken sometimes because it's like football itself is it's just a stupid game first mm-hmm. of all like and the just kind of the the entire culture of football is so strange like how it's kind of like this pseudo military f- fantasy game like you have training camp which is like boot camp and just all the uh just the nomenclature of it shotgun and the trench wars and shit like that like yeah. it's so fucking Golf dumb if you really, yeah. it's really really dumb if you think about it like it's this and the nfl takes itself so seriously already and that that kind of like spills over into the media coverage of it like you see like how differently the culture of college and i'm not saying that college football isn't without its own massive flaws and everything but one thing of like it's kind of accepted for kind of the, the silly spectacle that it is. Like I would like, that's like our, like what, you know, it's, it's like what, it seems like what soccer is in terms of being in other countries where it's like this crazy, just like spectacle of itself. Um, and almost like self parodying almost. So, and then that kind of spills over into how college football is covered. Like, the college football writers and the bloggers and everything for the most part take themselves much less seriously than like most NFL people do and people that cover the NFL. It's even, you see, it's even more pronounced when you, when you see like the NBA guys and the NBA bloggers and like how the NBA, like how the NBA kind of portrays itself spills over into the coverage of it. And it's, um, it's just much more relaxed and loose and fun and everything. And then everything kind of tightens back up with baseball. Like, I don't really fuck with baseball at all, but you can just kind of see, like, it's kind of like the same thing about football. Like, it doesn't have that crazy, like, we're pretend military organization, like how the NFL and football is. But, like, still just interested seeing how, like, the different sports are covered just by how the leagues, you know, make themselves come across so to speak i had never like put it put that together but that's so true like just especially just the difference between college football and nfl and like because i really probably like watching a big college football game like like the national championship like and being on twitter during it is so much more like fun than watching like an nfl game on sunday or even like i mean the super bowl comparatively is is never is never as fun as like, like a national championship game would be because I think, like you said, like the writers don't take themselves as seriously, like much more coverage goes to like the hilarity of like, you know, like Lane Kiffin doing some dumbass yeah, thing on the sideline. Of how, of how weird and dumb this whole sport is like, yeah. And just seeing like, yeah, like I said, just, it can, I don't, I, I've pretty much said all that I can say about it. I think, I, but, yeah, it's just really funny. Like, it's just it's so it's so funny, and and I think that one of the, I don't yeah, I've, it's funny just because I've never I've never noticed this like just or at least never heard it put into words before. But that's so true, and I don't know. There to me, like I always go back and forth between like the frivolity of football in general, and then like especially like covering it, like how pointless that is, and like wait a sec, you know, which is cool. Like 
wait a second, this is my job. That's pretty awesome. But at the same time, like, this is my job. Like, am I make like, am I making, a you know, like, am I making a difference in somebody's life and everything? Or like, what, what's the point of all this? And like, sometimes that's very freeing to be like, yeah, dude, like none of this matters. Like, you know, people might get mad at me if I say something that they don't like, but like at the end of the day, like if I screw something up at my job, like world's going to keep moving. But then at the same time, that kind of was also, it's a weird balance because at the same time that also, like I said, it makes me really question, like, how long do I want to even like, do I, is like, you know, like you're saying, like, is this really what sometimes it's like, is this really what I should be doing? Like, should I actually be doing something that's more important? Like, is this really what my destiny is? That sort of thing. So there's a weird balance because of, because of how, like not how, because of not like inherently not serious it is, but then people take it so seriously. And I actually want to take that and swerve it into kind of a different topic, mostly like still talking about Twitter and like how to handle yourself there. Because, you know, like you said earlier, Eric Stoner's account is Eric Stoner. Like, you know, there's no impression management going on there. And it's always been that way. And it actually, like, if, again, if you're listening to this and you don't know Eric, like you actually had a different account before the EC Stoner account. And then that, you put the end of that because I think pretty much, correct me if I'm wrong, because you had like too many followers and you just wanted to start over. Um, and so I guess one thing that I've always remember you saying, like, is that you should take your work seriously, but not yourself. And so I kind of want you to delve into like, how do you, like, how do you see people portraying like themselves on Twitter and how would you prefer to prefer it be done? I mean, if it's your job, I completely understand because like one of the first things that I remember um, and it was one of those times where I was like, ah, I don't know if this is really going to be for me long-term is when I first started writing for Josh and for Roto World. And he was like, Hey man, like, I'm not telling you like what to do or anything, but you should probably watch it on like saying like dropping F-bombs and <laughs> like, it's, I mean, uh, <clears throat> dropping F-bombs and some of the things that you tweet, you should probably just like tone it down or everything. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't think I said it to him at the time, but in my head, I was like, well, you're going to like, give me a W-2 or are you just going to, am I an independent contractor where you're going to fucking 1099 me? And I'm not really an employee. I, like I said, I didn't really say that, but I ended up, like, thinking it down the line a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with the, uh, and as far as the old account, um, I guess I can talk about this now because everything's uh, done and gone away with, but I ended up getting in, into some trouble about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and um, like I said, uh, th it was just a better idea for the Twitter account to not be up, period. Um, I'm not going to go into it any more than that, but uh, that was the real reason I took it down. But yes, I'm, I, and I did have, I think I had like 8,000 followers at the time I ended up taking it down. Um, and that's just like, like I said, I never went into this trying to like build a massive audience or anything like that. Like I wanted to get the respect of people whose work I had always admired and things of that nature. Like I wanted like my voice to count to them, but I really wasn't trying to like, you know, convince an audience or build like a big audience like that, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I mean, cause I don't, I don't have any other social media. I got off Facebook in like 2010, I think, and never, never got back on it. Um, I mean, I have a Snapchat, but my Twitter account and it's, it's, it doesn't have my real name on it or anything. Um, is basically like my only social media that I, that I have. So I, I don't, like I said, I never wanted to, to be in the public eye, so to speak, and even like 
having 8,000 followers like that was not, it was not appealing to me. So um, it was kind of a two in one. So ended up deading the account for that and got to start over fresh and kind of like I, my audience is like cultivated now to where I always used to say that like after 3000 followers or so, that's when like all hell basically starts to break loose. So I'm kind of right in that zone right now where it's just like, the people that follow me are basically like the people who I want to follow me and I don't really need it or want it to get any bigger than that. Like I have the people following me that like I interact with and I'm cool with like in the communities and things of that nature. And, you know, so it's, like I said, it's, it's just a, an entertainment thing for me more than anything. And so, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. That's, 3,000 I remember 3,000 followers yeah, <laughs> it's, it gets, it's, it comfort, gets, it's comfortable in that area it's comfortable and I know that you you tell people like um that you don't ever call them like like you don't call you're not people aren't annoying you or calling like being mentions pests or anything of that nature and it's like that never really like got to me either just the idea of that many people that I don't know like know my name or could like look me up or yeah. are following me it was just it's it was it's very the idea of like celebrity for doing something like i say that is so stupid is like it's very very strange to me yeah it's it's a hard thing to like it is a hard thing to grapple with because like especially there i think the only time like having a lot of followers annoys me is like in se- like in season during fantasy season because i get you know a bajillion questions yeah, like start. <laughs> sitter starts yes i, I fantasy twitter the ones that still remember my old account still fuck with me too during football season and like yeah when they get sitter start questions sent they send them my way because i is not appealing like i i don't not appealing to me i don't that's not something that <laughs> is it's fun nice or like yeah that's not what you're no like you're you're like even when you were doing stuff it was like you're doing draft stuff so why but but people do that I mean they don't care they'll just they're looking for a re, they're just looking for an answer but yeah like during the season like I could I can't you can't even keep up with that like you just go through your it's so refreshing honestly now being the off season like even though I have a lot more followers like I can look at like every tweet that I get pretty much right you know? but exactly. during the season it's like maybe like five people are asking me a question I, I'd actually like to answer. And the other person's like, should I start Mike Evans or, uh, or Sammy Watkins? I'm like, I don't, I don't dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Why are you asking me? Why do you, you want to start? <laughs> why, are you, why are you asking me? And I know that's so people get so annoyed at that. Cause they're like, you know, it's your dude, job, but right now. No, well, yeah, I mean that, that all in and of itself, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, of course. But like, you know, should I pick up Buck Allen or, or this other guy off waivers? I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, do what you want. Who like, this is, this, is your, <laughs> like this is your team. Why do you I – don't, and I know people, like I said, people get so annoyed because that's, like, my job or whatever. And, and it is. Well, not really. That's why I always tell people, like, job's really not to pick your team for you. My job's just to write an article and that you, t- you read it and then decide whether you want to do that or not. Like, right. That, but and that takes away like I don't know now this is the whole no, this is a whole other topic but like that takes away like the fun of fantasy football to me is like having somebody else make like make the consequential decision like I play fantasy football because I get to make the decisions you know I get to choose what I want to do and that sort of stuff so yeah I mean that's that's uh that's a tough thing to deal with if it's the fantasy questions but you know I think that people do really underrate like 
the that like how, how taxing like Twitter can be sometimes because it's I mean it is like you said like you were saying earlier like it's easy to just you know log out but at the same time like people get people get like kind of caught up in 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 Twitter sometimes for sure and you know Josh and I were talking about this on the last episode like you know he's like I it's sometimes it's a, you know you could be alone for an entire day but if you're on Twitter enough it feels like you've been you know you like kind of have interacted with people even though it's like an incredibly falsified form of interaction but like is there is there anything I guess that you see like in the draft community like I, I don't know if I want to call them like mistakes or like ways that you see people interact that like you think is either inadvisable for somebody that is like trying to get their name out there or like comes off, I guess is kind of phony or like what, what's something like if you see an account, like, you know, you kind of look through their, like the way they tweet or whatever, like what kind of like rubs you the wrong way, I guess. I mean, well, it depends if what would wrong rub me the wrong way personally. Um, I still understand it because at the end of the day, it's still like football media is very much a people business. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a people and it's a relationship business. And that's a, the, the NFL is the exact same way. It's just there's different avenues of taking to get it there. Like if you want to work for the NFL, you need to get the fuck off Twitter, first of all. And like not be giving your draft takes on Twitter. You need to get the fuck off of Twitter and go like, like trying to get a GA position somewhere and, you know, doing like some really, really shitty coach work while you're going to graduate school. That's the avenue that you need to take if you want to like become a scouter working in an NFL front office or coaching or whatever it is. Um, now, as far as like football media, like I said, what the things that would rub me the wrong way personally doesn't really matter because if you want to get into this field, you're going to have to do it anyways. Like you, um, you can't burn bridges. Uh, you have to, if you commit to things, you have to follow through with them. You have to, you have to work and create work and everything. And I'm not, be, I'm not begrudging the work side of it. I've already like said my piece on, you know, taking something you love and making it work. But um, you have to play the politics game uh, like any other field or any other job. Like unless you are really 100% your own boss, you have to play. And even if you are like, like um, if you're a franchisee or whatever, you're still going to have to deal with the corporate side. So it, it, that goes with any field or anything like that. Like you're going to have to schmooze and you're going to have to uh, promote shamelessly. And yep. <laughs> but, I mean, there's really nothing, if there's really nothing that's special or unique about football media that doesn't really apply to any other job or any other workplace. The thing that bugs me is that like Twitter is a, like I said, it, it's an expressive medium that, like I said, while it conveys information and everything, that's not what everybody, like, that's not what all of us are here for. We're not all here to be professional and to, that, and that's kind of like one of, um, one of my favorite things, because the football Twitter was very kind of like stuffy and robotic, I would say, um, before I kind of made my me and Andrew Parsons kind of like made our impact and, and our mark on it like we I feel like we helped kind of loosen up the room a little bit like you can make fun of the other writers and like know that you guys still have respect for each other and respect for each other's work like you guys can joke still joke like your boys and like call each other out and 
post your make fun of your guys's pictures and all that shit that we all do to each other like how you would do with your boys in real life like i don't know anybody that hangs out with their friends in real life and is like super proper and you know doesn't bag on anybody or anything like that so like i know it's still it's it's weird for you guys because it's both a professional and an expressive medium so you guys kind of have to like toe that line a little bit more so than others especially like like somebody like you you work for the shield like you technically are you're you are an employee of the nfl like you are you you are representative of the nfl so and, and for all these guys um josh with roto world and um matt with bleacher report and dane with cbs like all those they they have a very fine line that they got to straddle which is like i said something that personally i could never do because um first of all like i said i never wanted to to make this like a full-time whole time my entire life thing and it's that's just not the that that's not my purpose and what i'm here for with this whole little small corner of the football world so if you're looking to get into it and get into the business and everything, like I said, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have some, not, you don't, I mean, you don't have to 100% kiss ass, but like, don't burn bridges and be a dick to people. Like you can be lighthearted and have fun and everything and throw out a body bag. But, uh, I mean, some people are going to be more sensitive about it than others. Like some people are be careful who you do that to. Um, but if you don't care, like if you're just here to have fun and like, it's just, it's a creative medium for you, then go ahead and have all the fucking fun you want, man. It's like representing the shield and all that sort of stuff. I, I think that like for me, I want, and one thing I like about NFL media, like, and like the company that I work for is like, there, there is definitely some like leeway in, in what I can, like I can tweet it. Like they'll never come to me and be like, Hey man, you got to tweet more about football. Like my, one of the first meetings like that I ever had, like one-on-one with my boss, like after a few months of working there, you know, I was like, Hey, like, like how what how am I doing like what are some things I'm doing well what are some things I can be better at and you know the one of the things she said was like yeah you you tweet a lot like that's that's a good thing like keep doing that and like just whatever whatever it's about you know so just keep doing that I was like oh wow that's a job positive okay (laughs) (laughs) all right no problem I'll be I'm on this thing 24 7 you know like so that's one thing I would definitely say like to encourage people is be like be super active and like definitely be friendly like make like make friends and you know like and definitely they're like i got no problem like throwing kyle posey in a body bag every once in a while because like nobody's gonna go like none of my none of my him either for the record posey deserves the most body bags out of anybody apps absolutely like he cried he's off topic but yeah he tries he tries to come with some shit sometimes and you just gotta you gotta get that back like no you he he deserves a body bag so like i got no problem throwing throwing like that like one of those guys like messing around with you guys or anything or like you know any that sort of stuff but like i'm not gonna let my whole timeline see that too like i'm not gonna tweet something like some foolish stuff like that you know or it's like especially at another like writer you know like some somebody else that works with me i would not interact with that way right you know unless like i mean if it's alex like my roommate or one of the other fantasy guys like that's fine but i'm not going to tweet like daniel jeremiah and like like try to throw him (laughs) throw him in a body bag or something like that you know you like you definitely have like definitely have fun and make connections because you know you never know when that's going to be also like a beneficial relationship too like you know 
like when you were starting out draft Mecca, like I'm sure those like the guys that you were cool with were the ones that you wanted to pull in more, you know, and like obviously you guys weren't running like a, a site where you were paying a bunch of people, but people still knew that like, oh, well, Eric writes there, you know, or that's his site. So like I'll, I, that, 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 like I said, your name holds clout regardless of whether, what your status is. So then like people, that's why I wanted to write at draft Mecca. So I was like, oh, well, you know, that's, that could be a good thing for me too. So being friends with people like online and on Twitter and stuff, it, it's a beneficial thing and it makes it more fun. Like, cause like I said, it can be grueling. And so it's a nice, nice to open Twitter sometimes, like still be able to, even though like it's associated with my job now, it's nice to be able to open it up and like screw around with you guys too, like make fun of justice or something, which is also necessary. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think that that's it, like just not taking yourself too seriously is, is something that's important, even though like, there are aspects of it that you have to do that. And you can't like, you can't, if you want to, if you want to be professional or whatever, like you can't just go on Twitter and yet probably you can't drop a bunch of F bombs and like that sort of stuff. If that's what you yeah, want. Like, to how much, like how you were talking about, like going to Daniel Jeremiah, like you're not going to go to Daniel Jeremiah and be like, Oh, look at your rankings like this from 2011. And you don't know what the, right. you know who you have those relationships with as they develop you know what i mean yeah like i know people who are still gonna like which is funny now that everybody's like you know which is like please don't call me like the wide receiver guru or like anything stupid like that i'm not (laughs) i'm not interested in that title uh but like people that have followed me for years will will bring up the fact that like i liked cordero patterson at one point (laughs) you know like those people will do that but i probably would like not I wouldn't like, but if I was somebody that was following me and like, I didn't, didn't know me, I wouldn't bring the same thing up to me, but it's like, my friends can do that. But yeah, it's, it's different. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of handling yourself with like common sense, honestly. Like, like you've got friends, like you have friends in real life that you can't like, that, you know, they're sensitive about certain things. And so don't do that. And it's not like you're going to walk into the office and, you know, fire off on Sally, the receptionist and try to, ruin her life you know what i mean like you know who you have those relationships with and who you don't and who's gonna fucking report you to hr and everything of that nature so yeah and i'm kind of applies to twitter when you're getting like into the business or into the field so to speak it is kind of funny like to thinking about it in that sense of like an office like because i because you do see people do that and it's like it's one of the biggest mistakes i think i see like younger writers do or like people trying to make a name for themselves is like attacking bigger analysts and all that mm-hmm. stuff like it's in, ge- in general it's just you'll you like you'll you just don't like if you do that you're not ready like you're not ready for this in my opinion yeah. because if you <laughs> the, like egg you're saying, avatar, the egg avatar that creates their account and immediately starts tweeting like big huge accounts with random hateful shit that it's like okay, you're, you're still, you're still a baby on here. Like you're new to the, you'll figure like, hopefully you figure it out. I hope you, you learn the ropes quickly. Cause I, I think my first tweet was like, <laughs> I actually do remember cause somebody brought it up from my old account. My first tweet was like, it was in 2011 and it was to Greg Cassell saying some shit like, Hey, you know what? I think Andrew Luck's actually kind of overrated. Um, cause it was when, uh, it was the Gabber, it was the Gabber and Luck class and all them, but he was tweeting something about Andrew Luck, I think. And, you know, my first tweet to my dad talking about my most 
hated one of my most hated adversaries ever in Andrew Luck. So there's layers. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> there is right. Like there's yeah. multiple levels to that very, very first tweet. And most people like they look up their tweet history as they become a better Twitter user, so to speak. Um, like look back at their history and their first few tweets and everything. And just like how random and stupid you act when you first get on Twitter. And then, like I said, hopefully you kind of figure out the culture and it's like start having a little bit more, you don't, I mean, you don't need to be, be a fucking comedian and everything, but it's not, it's not the most serious thing in the world and sports are not the most serious thing in the world. Like most of of this stuff is really, 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 you know, insignificant and unimportant. So like, just try to, you know, it's, it's like being at a sports bar, like just try to make relationships and have fun with people and be cool. Like in an online space. Yeah, it's really not that hard when you think about it, but uh, definitely some people tend to tend to make it hard. Um, so I think kind of winded down here. Uh, we've, we've hit on a lot of stuff that I, I really think was important and really want to hit on. And one thing I do want to say, and I know you mentioned it earlier, like this episode probably more so than other ones, like contains what I would say are things that might discourage people but like that is again like kind of with Waldman's episode too like that's definitely not the intention is to like discourage people but I do think it's important for people to realize because you know and again I think I said this with 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 Waldman and with other people too like you get people asking like I get people asking me like you know how do I do what you do and like the first I think like question I want to ask them is like are you sure like are you sure this is really what you want to do because you like you mentioned it's important to figure out but like can you pin like just kind of wrapping up here, but like, can you pinpoint like one moment or like one thing other, I know you've touched on a few, but like any others that like you saw something happen or something happened to you in the industry where you're just like, nah, this is like, this is definitely over kind of thing. Um, not really for me personally. Well, last year I was kind of like doing some, like doing projects for, for Matt, like just a couple times a month. And I wrote like, I wrote this huge, huge piece on Marcus Mariota. He actually had to like chop it into two separate articles because it was so long. And like, when I actually do do work, I'm very, uh, like I'm perfectionist about it. And I, t- I have like a very long, convoluted, dense writing style. So same. <laughs> <laughs> so like when I do something really big like that, like it takes a lot of energy out of me, so to speak. Like the Mariota piece took a lot out of me. I can say that like as stupid as it sounds like, cause it's just writing. Um, it took a lot out of me mentally to kind of finish that piece and like talk about everything I wanted to talk about. And it was like, it, it was really, really good. Like that's what it's one of the best pieces I've ever done. Like that two part series. But like I said, it took a lot out of me and I was just like, uh, like, cause he, like I said, Matt, like I know Matt's, Waldman's never he's never gassing me up but he was like you know like people know who you are and like you need to be doing this and then there's still like there's always that side of you where it's just like even though I know I'm good at this I don't necessarily know if it's what I'm supposed to do like the um the Todd Marinovich 30 for 30 like the the kid that was raised his whole like raised his whole life by his dad to like be this perfect quarterback prospect and everything and he was just like he started doing drugs and shit in college and everything and ended up flaming out and it's like that kind of like I never like I was never like my dad always let me 
be a, into football as ever much as I wanted. Like I was never like forced into it or anything, but um, like I kind of, I empathized with like his story and he said like, just because you're really good at something doesn't mean that that's what you're necessarily supposed to do. Um, so like I, I've just had those re realizations throughout as I've done the work and like people have tried to get me to do more and I've always just kind of like never really fully committed but uh, as far as like seeing it play out, I remember a couple of weeks ago, Thomas Gower, um, he, used to, he used to do a Titans blog. I think he's, he's with Football Outsiders too, but um, he did, he, he's a Titans fan and he did a, a Titans blog for a long time. And like Matt Castle signed with the Titans and he tweeted like, if I was still doing like that Titans blog, like I would have to like carve out a portion of my night and like, write a blog post about fucking Matt Castle <laughs> the Titans. Like, think of how just deadening, like, I don't know, that is, like, all props to people that cover team blogs, like Alfie Crow, who runs the, the Jaguars blog on SB Nation, like, he's always given me an outlet for work whenever I wanted to write anything or anything like that. So, um, the people that can do that and cover that, <laughs> cover that type of shit on the day-to-day, -day, like, I give them mad props, but it's just, it's, yeah, like, I can't imagine, like, being up at midnight and writing a fucking a post about Matt Castle signing with my team. That just, it sounds, everything about that sounds, you know, horrible and deadening. And that, that's not the things that I like about football. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what is, I don't get any enjoyment. <laughs> any Even if somebody was paying me for that, like, you, you couldn't pay me to fucking write something like that and if, if that's something that you you're not gonna know and like how you said you ask people are you sure you want to do this you're not gonna know until you actually go and do it and and that's the big thing like I think that's been something that every single one of your guests has talked about is more than anything you can't get into this field or do anything or get noticed or anything of that nature you gotta fucking work like you have to find hopefully find something that you're doing different than everybody else and that will take time but you're gonna have to write a bunch of shitty stuff and your early stuff that you write is gonna be bad and you just it's like like it's like any other craft or any other skill like you got to uh, you got to put your hours in and, and hone your craft and get better at your craft and you're not gonna know if it's something that you want to do long term until you actually sit there and do that and if you can um if you if you are still in love with the boring and the tediousness and everything then it's probably something for you. If it's something that you kind of are like, I'll just, I would, I liked this better when it was kind of on the side and I can come, come and go to it as I pleased. Then it's probably not something for you to do long-term. And that's not the end of the world because like I said, like working in sports is, I mean, it's fun and it's entertaining and everything, but it's not, it's, it's not the most important. There are more important things out there and your life path will well, is eventually going to take you where you're supposed to be anyways. I, I, I couldn't have said that better myself. Myself. Um, because, I, I, like I said, I, as much as I love my job, like, and this is, you know, my dream come true in many ways. Like, I'm 24 years old. Like, to, you know, don't rule out the – and it could happen. Like, it could happen to any of us. Like, don't rule out the fact that, like, in 10 years, like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I don't want to, maybe I don't want to be, you know, football media or whatever, 10 years from now and that sort of stuff. Like be open to that possibility because it's definitely something that can happen. But 
I, I think for tonight, it's pretty much all all we've got. Um, Eric, if there's anything else you want to shout out, you know, convey to the audience before you get out of here, just the floor is yours. Um, just like to reiterate, um, I my intention is not to discourage anybody. I think everybody should chase the things that they think that they want to do. Um, just I'm. And my perspective is very different from others. It always has been. Um, and you're, like I said, you're not going to know until you actually chase it and try to do that. And I'm a big proponent of that. Like, I think that the uh, Sigmund actually talked about this on his episode, I think, is that when you actually do start working towards things and everything, like the life will kind of lead you to the right, like you still have to go through the doors, but life will kind of lead you to the right doors. You know what I mean? So um, if it's really, if this is really something that you guys want to pursue, definitely pursue it. Um, chill the fuck out on Twitter, everybody like it, relax. It's a, it's a fun place. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really don't, I think I've talked my ass off. I really don't, don't have much else to say. Um, shout out to Matt Waldman, like I said, for always giving me a home and a place to write. He's been one of my big inspirations with, uh, with this entire little, stupid cottage industry that we have so um thank you to you too for having me on and for for writing for my stupid site that i used to have it's uh it, <laughs> it's very very cool to see like how your career has gone and progressed and everything like that and you are like you're an awesome example of like i said just work and f you'll eventually find the thing that you can do that other people can't do and like and things will not that that will be the only thing you ever do is that will kind of lead you to get noticed and and enhancing like your work portfolio, so to speak. And if you want to get into the NFL, get the fuck off of Twitter and go try to get a GA job. And that's basically it. Yeah, oddly enough, NFL teams are not scrolling, you know, through the timeline or not scrolling through, you know, people's mentions looking for the best, uh, the best takes. Uh, right. they, pay, they pay attention more. They pay attention more than they will let on or what people think. And they're they're kind of aware of what goes on. I mean, because the. Um, just as like a little anecdote wrapping up, like there's that, um, the play, the draft site, which is like the draft stock market website that all the fuck, all the dorky draft Knicks play. That's the Bengals were like an investor and a co-owner of that. Yeah. And like I said, NFL teams pay, they pay attention, but they're not, they're not scouring Twitter for, you know, their next scouting intern. Um, yeah. There, there's different avenues to take for different areas of the business that you want to get into. So that is, but, that is definitely true. Yeah, but yeah, to all of you and in, in your endeavors, I hope you, uh, you find your dreams working, working in this, this little football world. And if not, you know, like, like we've been saying, life will reveal the path to you, but yeah, so that's pretty much all from us tonight. Um, again, I really want to thank Eric for coming on. Um, I'm not going to shout out his Twitter handle since he's sitting <laughs> sitting comfortably at his level of followers. Um, and I actually forget to do it for everybody, so I might as well play it even. Um, but, yeah, so if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating or a review. You know, like, like we were saying earlier, this is that shameless self-promotion uh, that you have to do because nothing makes me feel stupider than asking you guys to do that. But it does help, you know, and the feedback has been great to the show, and I, I'm looking forward to getting some, uh, some more guests on. And, hey, if, you're, if you've listened this far, like, and you have somebody that, like in, in your head that you want me to get on that I haven't had on, give me some suggestions because, like, there are so many that I want to do. So feel free to, you know, mention me on Twitter and be like, hey, get this guy on your show or get this girl on your show. Like, 
especially we do, we need, we need some more people. So again, I want to thank you guys for listening and I hope you learned something today. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.